0: Would you turn please in your Bibles this evening to the book of Hebrews Book of Hebrews chapter 13 Hebrews 13 and 5 Hebrews 13:5 The scripture said let your conversation be without covetousness Everybody say without Without. covetousness. And he said, be content with such things as you have for. Now, it is very important that you don't just put a period after content with such things as you have. Your contentment is not just with your present state. Hmm? Hmm? people have tried to take that phrase and say, well, you know, even if you're living in a cardboard box, be content with your cardboard box. Is the Lord saying be content to live in that cardboard box the rest of your life? No, sir. Have no vision, no. have no faith. No, no, be content. You know, we talked about in Philippians, Paul said, I have learned. In whatever state I'm in. To be content. The word therewith is in italics. So it's not really there. He just said in whatever condition I'm in. I have learned how to be content. Not just content with your car. With your house. With your stuff. But content independently. Of anything. Isn't that what he's talking about here? Be content. Why? The sentence goes right on. For. Be content, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Glory to God. Well, if he's with you, you got everything. You don't have to wait till you get that new car to be satisfied. You don't have to wait till you get your house. You don't have to wait. Do you get more money? You don't have to wait till you get out of debt. To be content on the inside. Your contentment is not based on stuff. Remember Jesus said. We looked at it already. What is it in Luke? He said take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. That doesn't give you life. Because you got a lot of stuff. You can have stuff. And be miserable. You can have a lot of money. And be miserable. Not even want to live. Doesn't mean it's wrong. To have some stuff. Now. uh, I believe. That's one reason that I believe. The Lord has us into this series. That uh, this is where some of the. Problems come with people that oppose so-called prosperity teaching is because they get a half of a verse like this, or when we studied recently about the love of money is the root of all evil, that passage, and they take that and without an understanding, they deduce prosperity is bad. But the Lord never said that. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, I mentioned this to you. My father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, had an experience with the Lord. He describes a vision. If you read his books, you'll see it. And the Lord taught him about prosperity. He grew up in tradition. And all they knew how to do was beg God to meet their needs. And the Lord taught him how to sow and how to claim and believe for harvest and lay hold of harvest and how to be led by his spirit. What a big factor that is in your prosperity being led by the spirit. And uh, the Lord was dealing with him about how to be led by his spirit. And he said this to him at the end of the vision. He said, if you'll learn how to be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich. He said when he told him, he could hardly believe it because that was so contrary to all the religious teaching he had received throughout his life. He just could not believe the Lord was telling him that. Because they had been taught, oh, we don't want, and sang for years, we don't want any of this old world's goods. (laughs) Of course, the Lord knows your thoughts. And he said, uh, the Lord said to him, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. And I think that is one of the big problems where people are into confusion and opposing the word because of that. They are not differentiating between covetousness and prosperity. Are they the same? No. Being rich And being covetous are two completely different things. Aren't they? Do you know you can be full of covetousness and have nothing? We're going to look at some scriptures if the Lord, you know, unless he leads us another direction tonight. About that, where people that are in abject poverty, but all they do is feed their covetousness. All they do is pine away. And dream about what they don't have and about what they want and covet, covet, covet. Covetousness is not based on money having something. It's hungering and craving after something you don't have and putting it above love for God. That you really want it more than you want God. You could do it with a person. You shouldn't want anybody or anything more than you do God. If you do, that's an idol in your life. And you've put something above the Lord. That's the problem. We saw this. Colossians says, Colossians 3, covetousness is idolatry. Didn't say it was like idolatry. It's just like falling down in front of a statue and praying and worshiping a statue. Covetousness is idolatry idolatry, because there's something or somebody that's more important to you in your life and you want it more than you want God and his will and him to be pleased with you. And that's a very serious thing. And so I think a lot of Christians, some of them are good people in a lot of ways, but because of their ignorance, they've mixed this all up and confused it and they know covetousness is a bad thing. But they don't differentiate between it and prosperity, yes. and they think, uh, you know, wanting any prosperity is the same as being full of covetousness. But it's not. I said it's not. It is possible to be a multi-multi billionaire like Job, Amen. Abraham, yes. David. Yes, sir. Are you listening? And love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And not have anything that you wouldn't give him in a moment. Just like that. These men, and many more like them, the Bible specifically says, God made them rich. But they weren't covetous. God would make you rich. He would never make you covetous. Do you see this? What's the problem? Riches are covetousness? Prosperity or covetousness? But are, do you see what I'm talking about? Millions of Christians have this all mixed up and confused. Now, uh, in this scripture, he said, let your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as, as you have the NIV says keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said never will I leave you never will I forsake you how many believe if you've got God there's no reason for you to feel like you can't be satisfied because he is the source of anything and everything that you might be lacking He is your healer. He is your provider. He is your protector. If you got God, you got it all. And not only that, but he said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to let you down. What does that mean? I'm going to take care of you. What if a daddy told his little kids, his wife, his family, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But he never paid for anything and he never took care of everything. But I'll always be with you. I'll never leave you. What does it mean? I won't leave you and forsake you. Means I'm going to take care of you. We're going to work. We're going to give. We're going to pay. We're going to do what's necessary to get your needs met. How about the great father God? When he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Does it mean he's going to meet our needs? He's going to take care of us. That's prosperity. That's why there's no need in you coveting somebody else's stuff. God will give you two or three of your own. Amen. Right? There's no need in you saying, I can't be happy without this or without that. You got God. He can give you anything. Amen. If we'll but believe. Now go with me if you would please. Over to the... Uh, The book of uh, 2nd Timothy. 2nd Timothy, the third chapter. This is such a wealth in this passage. Let's read it with your your eyes and ears and heart wide open. 2nd Timothy 3, 1. This know also that in the last days... When did he write this? (laughs) Quite a while ago. Well, we know this. It's later now than it's ever been. We're in the latest days anybody's ever had. In the last days, perilous times shall come. All you got to do is watch the news to see about that. And here's why. People say, well, what's the world coming to? You know, why in the world is all this stuff going on? Right here, for. Why are there perilous times? For men shall be lovers of their own selves. You know, it grieves me when I hear people blame God for wars and tragedy and famines And destructions. Well brother Keith. Why is all this bad stuff happening? Because man has a free will. And man has chosen. In mass. To be selfish. Why would people. Roll over another people. And try to commit genocide. Why? Just gross. Selfishness want something they have to the point where it's fine with you if they're destroyed so you can have it. Is that not covetousness? What is co? We looked up the definition of covetousness. It means a strong desire, a longing, a craving for something. Why do people do the things they do? You know, you read about it all too often Somebody broke in somebody's house. They killed two retired unarmed people. Just sitting in their house trying to have a meal. They destroyed property. They killed innocent people. Why? Because of this craving that they have for their drug. What is that? It's covetousness. They want this thing more Then they want the will of God more. They love this more than they love God. And they're perfectly willing for somebody else to pay and lose their own life so I can get it. Now that's darkness. How selfish is that? He said in the last days, there'd be what kind of times? Perilous, Perilous, dangerous times. Why? For or because... Men will be lovers of themselves instead of what? Instead of loving God and loving people, they love themselves. And that's why times will become so perilous and you have so many terrible things happening because people are so selfish. Selfishness is the scourge of the earth. Just about any terrible thing you want to talk about, its roots comes back to that. And that's why the Bible said the love of money is the root. One translation said of all kinds, all varied forms of evil. Why? It's not the money. It wasn't having money. That made somebody do something. They loved it so much. They wanted it so bad. They killed. They maimed. They stole. They destroyed to get it. Money didn't make them do that. It was loving it and craving it. Can you see what we're talking about? It's not the money. It's the covetousness. It's not the stuff. It's not the cars and the houses and the planes and the boats. That's got nothing to do with it. People think it is. They think, well, that's it. No, it's the craving it. Amen. You could crave anything to the point that you're willing to do anything to get it. But how about us? The Lord told us, the word told us, let your life, your whole way of life be what? Without covetousness. Somebody said out loud, I live, I live. without covetousness. I refuse refuse to to have it in me. Now covetousness is tied right with selfishness. Finish reading this. He said, men will be lovers of their own selves. What's the next word? Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient, To parents, unthankful. Did you see what kind of company unthankful is in? Unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent or uncontrolled, fierce, despisers of those that are good. What kind of people are these? Oh, they'll betray you in a minute. Why? Because they don't care about you. They only care about what they want. Getting what they want. It doesn't matter what it costs or what they have to do. They'll lie. They'll betray you. They'll give you up. They don't care. Long as I get what I want. Are we in a world where there's a lot of people like this? The main thing is getting what I want. And if it costs you or causes you problems, fine. Long as I get what I want. That is completely opposite of the law of Christ, which is bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. He was perfectly willing to lay down his life to give everything so we could be free. I thought about what Paul said because he was so full of the Lord. And full of the spirit of Christ. He said I could wish myself. Accursed. So my brethren the Israelites. Would come in. I thought man I don't know if I could say that today. But that is the spirit of the Lord. That you would be willing. To pay any price. So somebody else. Could be free. When we talk about Christian. That's what Christian is. Selfishness is the exact opposite. Covetousness is the exact opposite of Christianity. The more selfish a person is, the less of a Christian they really are. That's why he said, let your entire life be without it. Keep reading. He said, they're traitors. They're heady. What does heady mean? Anybody got another word for that in your modern translation? What does it say? Headstrong. Heady. We'd probably say hard-headed. And then the next word, high-minded, has to do with intellectualism. People that think they're so superior because of their intelligence. And yet, bottom line is they're so self-centered. So they're not a good person. They think they're superior Because they can quote some reference books. A head full of knowledge does not make you a good person. It doesn't even make you wise. You could just be annoying. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're always spouting off all these facts and figures, but they're irrelevant they don't fit, they don't answer anything, they don't help anybody, and the only reason you're spouting them is to try to impress somebody. <laughs> when I was first-year Rama student, it's been a few years ago, I got invited to a denominational Bible study in somebody's home. Now, these guys were not charismatic, they were not word of faith. If I called the name of the denomination, you'd know what I'm talking about. Really not. (laughs) And I'm in Bible school. And I'm getting faith and righteousness and authority five hours a day, man. I mean, every day of the week. And I'm pumped. And after school, I had... Three classes in the morning, I had prayer school, I had healing school, and I'd come in and me and my buddy would sit and go over all our notes from the day before and try to memorize or commit to memory all that we could. We'd stay up till midnight and one o'clock, you know, drinking coffee and quoting scriptures to each other and just, you know, just getting it in us. So we were quoting a lot of scripture, verbatim King James. I mean, we could quote whole half a pages you know that's all we were doing feeding on that and that's fine that's good but we uh, these guys invited me to their little bible study and I'm young and dumb and I kept my mouth shut for most of the time man they were saying some stuff that just wasn't right and finally they asked me did I have anything to say <laughs> And I quoted about a dozen scriptures verbatim and gave the chapter and verse numbers. And they all looked at me like this, because most of them had hardly read the Bible. In their particular denomination, they didn't emphasize that. And they just looked at me like, huh? And they would hardly say anything around me the rest of the night. And I didn't get invited back. (laughs) And I said, Lord, that didn't seem like it went too well. He said it didn't. He said, why would you quote all those scriptures? I said, well, that's the answer. See, I mean, you think you're technically legally right, but. It's always about your heart. He said why couldn't you have taken a half of one of those scriptures that was relevant. Put it in your own words. Like you were just talking about the subject. And left them with a thought to ponder. I said well that probably would have worked a whole lot better. (laughs) And I had to be honest with myself later. I was trying to impress them some. You don't want to admit that. but Why am I saying that? Heady. And what? Just because you know a bunch of stuff. That is on the subject. Does not mean it's really relevant. Or that the Lord is leading you to say it. Don't. If people ask you questions about spiritual things, don't just give pat answers. Don't just quote scriptures. Are you with me now? There's something the Lord will be able to put his finger on that's relevant. And it's the right way. There's a perfect way. The Bible describes it as like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. The perfect word. And it falls on the ear Like a pleasant thing. And how can I. Well brother Keith. How can I do that? One thing. You got to be unselfish. And you got to forget about impressing people. You can't help people. While trying to impress them. With your intellect. With your knowledge. With your spirituality. With your experience. And walk with God. You will not be able to help people. It won't be anointed. Because God can't anoint pride. That's the nature of the devil. Faith works by love. And when your heart really goes out to people and you don't want to impress them, you don't that's the farthest thing from your mind. You just want them helped. Now you're on the right wavelength. You're in the right place for God to talk to you. Show you the wisdom, how to answer it, what to do. Heady, high-minded. What's the next phrase? Lovers of pleasures. What? More than lovers of God. Now here's the heart of covetousness. It's not just that you want something. It's that you actually want it more than you want to please God. More than you want the will of God. And that is not okay. It's okay to want to improve, it's okay to want to step up to a better house, a better car, better place, more money, that's fine, that's great, but our desire ought to be much more to please God and honor God. That's why we say that, you know, well Lord, we're believing for this, but we want it done in the way that you're the most exalted. And the most praised. And if, it, if this is not going to get glory to you. Then even though we think we want it after our flesh. We'll say no. Amen. We want you to be pleased. Yes. We want you to be exalted. We want you to be glorified. And we want that and desire that. More than anything. That our head and our flesh thinks it wants. Amen. Are you with me on that? Do you see that? Yes. Well when you're like that. God could give you all kind of stuff. Because you'll have it in the right place. It's always in a place far under him. And subject to anything he would say. I'm enjoying this little faith stretch concerning the aircraft right now. The one we sowed is the best one we've ever had. And it made my life... And Phyllis's and, and the church and the ministry, so much simpler and easier in so many ways. Because if the weather wasn't very good, it didn't bother me all that much. This thing would just shoot right through it and get on top. And it was so comfortable, I'd get there refreshed. But that the Lord put his finger on it and said, so that. It took us two years to get it to where we wanted it to be. And he put his finger on it and he said, so that, so it now. And we said, yes, sir. (laughs) And your head's going, what are you going to do? Say, shut up. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Yeah, but you really like that. It's the best thing you've ever had. Shut up. Hmm? Right? Right? Sew it. Sew it. And listen, friend, that has happened to us again and again and again. Why? Because if you stall and balk And shut down on some of this. Then you are not qualified. For the next step. You are not qualified. For the next phase. Because the main thing. The commandment is love. And faith works by love. Which means. You're more happy to see them with it. Than yourself. You're willing to sacrifice. If it helps them. That is the law. Of Christ. All day and all night. And it's easy to talk about. But when it comes time to actually do it. You'll find out where your flesh is at. Won't you? What am I saying? God will ask you for your Isaac. At different times in your life. What's your Isaac? It's the most precious thing you have. And that's beyond a machine. That was his son. But you're Isaac. And why? Because he wants to be able to do things for you. That he's not been able to do for other people. But you have to demonstrate. Your love for him. And your faith. I mean it's fine to talk it. But there comes times to demonstrate it. Yes, to prove it. To do it. Amen. And how many know God would never deal with you to sow anything except He's already got in mind the huge harvest Amen. that's going to come afterwards, yes, but you don't see it? And you got to do it by faith. You don't know how, when, and where. Oh, <laughs> I said, Oh, but you're qualified. I said, you're qualifying for God's highest and His best, and you do not love anything more than you love God. Said out loud, I love God, I love God. more than anything, more than anybody, more than, anybody. More than myself, more than, myself. More, than more than anything I think I want. I, think I, want. I love God. See, he said in the last days, times would be perilous because it'd be a lot of people. They love pleasure. They love what gives them pleasure more than they love God. Are we there in this generation? Oh, and it's everywhere. Say, not me. I love God. Now, uh, let me read this to you. I'm going to keep reading, but this is the new living. He said, uh, you should know this. That in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and they'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They'll slander others and they'll have no self control. They'll be cruel and have no interest in what is good. They'll betray their friends and be reckless and be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They'll act as if they're religious. Did you know he's talking about church going people? Isn't that something? But they'll reject the power that could make them godly. You must stay away from people like that. Should we obey that verse? Yes, sir. And stay away from people like that? Yes, sir. Yes. Well, one reason is because uh, you fellowship with that, it'll rub off on you. I'm going to keep reading. They are kind, the kind rather, who work their way into people's homes. And win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by many desires. Did you hear that phrase? Say that out loud. Controlled by many Desires. desires. Controlled by desires. What's the opposite of that? What's the turnaround of that? You're controlling your desires instead of your desires controlling you. You know, we didn't learn this the first few years of ministry, but as time has gone by, we've seen it clearer and clearer. There are people in churches that they court people for wrong reasons. Oh, they pay them attention and they make much ado over them, but they want something. I'm not talking much sinners outside now. I'm talking about people that go to churches. And they worm their way and work their way into people's lives and homes quoting scriptures. If something bothers your heart. But you don't know why with your head. Trust your heart. You don't have to be five days old in the Lord. Somebody may look to you to seem to appear to be very spiritual and very knowledgeable. But if something bothers your heart about them, trust your heart. Well, I don't know of any reason why I wouldn't do that with them. You don't have to have a reason. You got a check. That's a reason. You don't have to go along with stuff. Just because. Are you with me now? They'll work their way into people's homes. And win the confidence. What does the King James say there in verse 6? Of what? Creep into houses and lead captive silly women. Loaded with sins and led away with different kinds of lusts or desires. The new living says controlled by many desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they never understand the truth. Is it possible to be in every meeting in town in the country and never get in a thing? Is it? Don't call any names. Your heart has to be right. There are a lot of people running from meeting to meeting just to avoid the responsibilities of their home. Well, that went over real big, didn't it? (laughs) They've always got something spiritual to do, and all of their duties and responsibilities are being neglected. That's not God. That's not God. Being a good Christian, being spiritual, will make you a better father, a better husband, a better mother, a better wife, not worse. There's just a whole lot of stuff people call spiritual that's actually carnal. Oh, yeah, they're hoo-hooing and and quoting scriptures and staying up all night and... Supposedly praying sometimes, but uh, look at the fruit. Look at the fruit of their lives. I'm reading scriptures now. Right? They're forever following new teachings, but never understand the truth. You know why? Because they're not doers. They're just meeting goers, ameners, clappers and tambourine players, tape buyers, but not doers. They're not doers. (laughs) You feel that? We hadn't called anybody's name. Why wouldn't you agree that that's not good? That's not good. Being truly spiritual will make you a faithful, loyal, dependable, strong individual. Did you hear me? It'll make you the best employee in the country. It'll make you one of the best husbands or wives that your partner ever had. It'll make you one of the best parents that your kids ever had. Are you with me now? It won't make you a wandering spiritual vagabond who owes everybody in the country. Amen. Did you hear me? Yeah. Who can never wash a dish because they're too busy praying. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear me? That's a bunch of junk. Amen. I don't care who's doing it. It is not God. It is not spiritual. No, strip everything away. And you'll see that the core of it is selfishness. I have to pray. I have to do this. It's always I. I've got to be in that meeting. I've got to do this. What about the other people all around about you? Being spiritual does not make you self-centered. It makes you a giver. It makes you willing to sacrifice what you want. So other people will be blessed and helped. Well, somebody need to hear that bad. I mean, don't get mad at me. I didn't call your name. How do you know I even know about you? You don't. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. But don't think about that. God loves you. If people are doing that, i tell you this, they're miserable. And they're blaming everybody all around about them for it. Well, they won't help me. They won't support me in my ministry. They won't do this and they won't give place to my gift. And won't do Did you hear how much there's my, my, me, me, my. Everybody's supposed to help you. Everybody's supposed to give you. Everybody's supposed to respect you. It is carnal and ungodly. He said... Verse 8, these teachers fight the truth just as Jannes and Jambres fought against Moses. Their minds are depraved and their faith is counterfeit. Their faith is what? Counterfeit. But they won't get away with it for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are. Just as happened with Jannes and Jambres. Why am I getting into all this? How did this start out? Lovers of their self. Covetous. Oh. It is the root of all so many marriage problems. So many problems on the job. Unbelievers don't want to hear about your prayer life. They want to see you produce. Produce. On the job. Somebody help me now. Huh? You're not going to win somebody that don't go to church and don't believe in the Lord. By telling them every other day that you got to come in late and you got to miss. Because you had to spend extra prayer time. You have to talk to somebody about the scripture. That's not a good witness. And you've got to share Jesus with everybody that comes in the door instead of do what they're paying you to do. They didn't hire you to be an evangelist. They hired you to be a clerk or a custodian or to run a machine. And really you're stealing from them. And you're being unfaithful. Did you hear me? Because they're giving you money and they're paying you, but you are doing something that's completely different from what they asked you to do. It's a bad witness. It's not spiritual. I know people try to explain it away. and Well, I have to do what the Holy Ghost leads me to do. Well, you need to learn the Holy Ghost. I don't know how many times people say, well, I got to do what the Holy Ghost leads me to do. What they're really saying is i got to do what I want to do. But they know that don't sound good. (laughs) So they put Holy Ghost in there. Covetousness. Selfishness. Self-centeredness. Skip down to Titus 3. Well, we're having fun tonight now, aren't we? (laughs) Praise the Lord. I actually feel pretty good about this because it's light. A lot of times people have been like this. They haven't really meant and planned to be that way. They just have gotten into it through ignorance and not listening to the Lord. But sometimes if the light comes into you real, you know, straight forward and full face, then you go, wow, that's right. (laughs) I got to change. And if you've never had a time like that, then you hadn't come very far you hadn't grown because all of us have to make changes to grow if not in this area tonight then you come back next friday night and you stay with us till we put your picture up right (laughs) and there are times that my picture is up but i don't say anything about it i just look straight ahead and keep preaching Titus 3. 3. For we ourselves also were. Somebody say were. were. That means used to be. Not are. What? Were. We ourselves were sometimes foolish. But not now. Now we're wise. Hmm. Well the scripture said he's been made unto us wisdom righteousness sanctification redemption that's a redemptive reality. Don't check and see about your performance today or yesterday, just speak faith. We were foolish, we were disobedient, deceived. What's the next phrase? Serving diverse different kinds of Lusts are strong desires. Serving your desires. That's what we saw before. Said they were controlled by different desires. Now, that's what covetousness is. Covetousness is you serving your desire. Your flesh, your unrenewed mind says, I want that. I got to have that. And you tag along and say, well, we'll get it for you. We'll get it for you. Whatever we have to do, we'll lie, we'll steal, we'll cheat. We'll get it for you. I want that. I want that woman. She's somebody else's wife and I got one of my own, but I want that one. And if you're carnal, then you are serving that desire. I want that. I want that. Your flesh, your mind can want something it's not supposed to have. But it's up to you whether you serve that desire or whether you make it serve you and you turn it around and you instead of your desires controlling you you control them. He said what do you say serving different lusts and pleasures serving pleasures It's all right to have some things you enjoy, but don't serve it. I've had people laugh at me and say, well, you know, I got to get up and go to work, support my habit. And they're talking about their hobby. Because they spend every dollar and they spend every hour that they don't have to do something else pursuing their pleasure. And there's no time for the kingdom. Serving lusts, serving Pleasure now he's writing to Christians. Keep reading and envy hateful and hating one another. That's certainly not love. Skip over to uh, Philippians. This will be back to Philippians three. Philippians three. Well, I sure didn't plan to go all this way tonight, but the Lord knows. There's anointing here tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Master. Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Verse 17. 317 Philippians. He says, Brothers... Be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. He said, I'm crying while I'm writing this letter. Because they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now keep reading, what does it say? Whose end is destruction whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. In other words, that's all they think about. They keep their mind only on earthly, natural things, what they want, their desires. Their God is their belly. Well, what a phrase. Your God is your belly? Somebody pat your belly. (laughs) Is that your God? (laughs) Are there people that that's their God? we're reading scriptures now. Are there people that this is their God? Now, when we say belly, you understand he's not just limited to wanting food. What's belly? Belly has to do with your appetites. Are there people who serve their appetites? From the time they get up to the time they go to bed, they are thinking about how to satisfy their appetite. Think about this. Falling down and saying, I serve you, O oh belly. What? How base. How pitiful. For one to serve their belly. You've heard me say this before, but let me repeat it. Our desires do not define us. Every desire that we have in our flesh, in our mind, that does not tell you who you are. And what you are, desires have to be examined. And the good ones, nourished and fed. And the bad ones, starved. Is that right? Well, Brother Keith, what if I want something? I don't want to want it. But I do. I can't help it. That's a lie. First step, the truth will make you free. Believing lies will put you in bondage. Well, Brother Keith, I'm a man and I want a man. So that's what I am. Well, if that's true, then if a man says, I'm married, but I want this man's wife. So I'm an adulterer. That's what I am. I can't fight it. Or a person that wants a child. They say, well, that's what I am. Where does it stop? Did you hear me? Well, I want alcohol. I'm an alcoholic. That's what I am. I'm a drug addict. I want this. Your desires don't define you. People all over the planet have had some of the same desires. They just didn't let them get out of hand like you did. They just starved them and didn't yield to them. Are you with me now? Just because your flesh, your mind wants something does not mean you fall down in your chair and go, I guess this is just what I am. No. In the Bible, you find out who you are. In Christ Jesus. No matter what you feel. You believe that. I just feel so rotten and so terrible and like such a failure. Well, the Bible says none of that. The Bible says you are complete in him. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Our five-year-olds know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've been made righteous. I've been made holy. Forget about the past. And forget about what your flesh wants. Starve it. Starve it. It'll get weaker. Feed your desire for God. It'll get stronger. Oh, can you say amen? Amen. The most vile, flesh-controlled person can come totally out. The person that all they think about from the time they get up to the time they go to sleep is drugs or sex. That They just are consumed with it. That's not a hopeless person. And this is what I am. No, it's what you've become. It's not what you have to be. It's never been what you are in Jesus. Yeah, but I've got the desire, so that's what I am. No, that's a lie. Believe God. What did he say I am? He said, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus you are complete. I'm broken. I'm just a basket. Okay. You are complete in Him. Amen. Right. I'm terrible. I'm defiled. I'm, I'm ungodly. I'm disgusting. You are washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. You've been made righteous and holy, sanctified and cleansed by the blood and the washing of the Word. Yeah, but I want bad stuff. Quit talking about it. Starve it. Well, I just don't know if I can do it or not. It's not about can you. You can. Can you is not the question. Will you? What can cause a person who has a strong desire to do something that's not right, how can they overcome it? We've talked about two things. If you've noticed it, we've gone over and over again. One is starving the bad desire. Don't look at anything. Don't listen to anything. Don't read anything. Don't talk about anything that feeds that desire that reminds you of it, that stirs it up. Don't say you can't. It's a choice every hour of every day. What else? Feed your desire for God. Feed it. Feed it. Feed it, talk about, go around all day saying, I love God with all my heart. I love God more than I love pleasure. I love God more than I love myself. My belly is not my God. My sex drive is not my God. Right? God is my God. He tells me what's okay and what's not. No matter what I feel. That's with all of us. In every area. But there are so many people in our generation. They are just completely yielding to their desires. And their whole life is controlled by their desires. And they identify and say, this is what I am. You have to love me for what I am and like I am. I desire drugs. I'm a drug addict. I desire, you know, sex with everybody I can find. I'm a sex addict. I'm a, no, no, no. You are what you have become by yielding to your desires, not what you have to be. Can you say amen? amen. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Say it out loud. My belly is not my God God. (laughs) say it again my belly is not My my God what does that mean your appetites my appetites my desires say it again my belly is not my God this ministry has been brought to you today free of charge